This is Stock Culture. With Stocks Meet Culture. Presented by your host, Billy Clement and Ronnie Jones. Hello, everyone. This is Stock Culture. Man, we're so excited. This is our second episode, and we got Wale with us in the house. Stock Culture is basically bringing, you know, uh, stories of successful traders out there who are actually doing it and making it, you know, making good moves and stuff. Our goal with this podcast is to share people's stories and hopefully, you know, help you in your trading journey and all this stuff. You know, some of the guys who bring in, you know, hey, they might share some tips, some good, you know, technique for you to, to help you in your trading journey. What's something you can add to your bag, you know, because, you know, you got to have a lot of tools in your trading bag. So uh, my co-host is Ronnie Jones. What's up, Ronnie? What's going on? What's going on with y'all today? Hopefully yeah. I learned something today because I sure will. Hey. <laughs> Jump into the interview and see what I can what I can take away today. Hey man, Wale, Wale is one of those guys, man. I've been following him since, you know, I, I kind of got hooked up with, uh, with Todd, Todd, uh, Todd Capital's team. And man, Ronnie, Wale has been one of those consistent guys. Your place, like... Sometimes you call plays that I don't even know. Nobody else is doing it, man. And I was like, yo, what, what is this guy looking at? So I can't wait to get into that today. And, you know, I, and, I appreciate um, y'all having me on. Hey, <laughs> can't wait to get into that today and just you know, ask yeah. you some questions about that, man. So, again, my name is Billy Clement. This is Stock Culture. Well, hey, man, so we're going to keep it nice and smooth. So uh, one of the first questions we always ask, man, is tell us about your background, yo. Like, how did you get into stock trading and all that good stuff? So just tell us about your background, your, your upbringing and all that stuff. Yeah, so my background um, is in, went to college for economics and right out of college, jumped into the financial advisory sector. So I've been a financial advisor since 2009. So been in the game for a long time. And anybody who remembers 2009, I got thrown into the fire during a recession. Yep. Yes, so sir. That was, that was <laughs> a was really, really, stuff, yeah. yeah, that was a really good time to sort of learn about capital markets understanding stuff like that so i've been trading i wouldn't say actively trading but trading since 2000 dang kind of started in like 2004 out of you know getting into college because there was a lot of like um folks i went to high school with mm -hmm. um and and they would always be in a computer lab talking about trading and stuff and blah blah, blah. and i just like what are they talking about i went to a private school so not okay. a lot of people that look like me in that in that on that campus right but i just started picking their brains and asking about what they were doing and then um you know we kind of had this like competition on yahoo finance where we'd all build mm -hmm. like stock portfolios and we just have competition with each other then when i start looking at what kind of money it was making it was fake but i was like Okay. Just gonna be real. <laughs> so I started, you know, putting a little bit of money in the markets and things like that. Not actively trading through college, but, you know, buying names I'm familiar with, Apple, Microsoft, stuff like mm -hmm. that. Mm -hmm. um, I actually, if I log into my Yahoo, I still have the original portfolio that I built back in 2004. Um, and I can look at where it's at now. And that's it's, what I was gonna say, man. That'll be, that'll be interesting to see where it's yeah, at right that's now. Crazy. Yeah. <laughs> so it, it's, it's done well, but, um, you know, once I got out of college, um, got into financial advising, learned the business that way, uh, managing money for people. And I didn't really get into options until I'd say about 2014 mm -hmm. um, when I moved to a firm. And when I was at the firm, um, this was a firm that specialized in like four or three Bs and things like that. And I worked with a lot of the private wealth clients. The trading floor was on the next floor up. Oh, wow. And me just, mm -hmm. you know, being curious, I'd just go up to the floor and just talk to people like, what y'all doing, blah, blah, blah. And they would manage mutual funds. 
And they would talk about trading and things like that. And I just be like, okay, let's go to lunch. Let's talk. So I, I just start picking people's brains. And that's when I really started getting into options. And I will admit back then, I didn't know a ton about them. I learned, I learned some as I was taking my licensing test. The Series 7 mm-hmm. covers options and things like that. So I learned about it through there, but I didn't understand the dynamics of how to trade them and how to you know do things like that. Um, so that was kind of my journey. I started off by just doing earnings. That was kind of how mm-hmm. I would I would start. Then I started looking at valuations. So I'd start, you know, I think one of my biggest, most successful plays was when Snapchat became public and I looked at the valuation and I said that this shit is overpriced. Mm-hmm. Um, and I played the lockups. I said, when the lockups expire, people gonna sell. I think I turned five grand into like 25 grand over the course of like four or five months. And that was, and that's when I got that's real. Crazy. <laughs> that's when I got real into it, and uh, never looked back since then. So, man, you mentioned so many different things, yo. Like, I, 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 I was like, I feel like I have ten tons of questions. Right now. I know, right? <laughs> but let's let's go back a little bit. Let's go back to before before college, like high school, okay. elementary school, you know, childhood. Mm-hmm. Like, how how was that? Like, how was finance something? Because you know, you you talk about you go you went to college for finance. Like, was that something been taught nah. in the family? Like, how does how how do you, how do you even get, go to, to study that? Um, so for me, I, I I attribute that to my brother. So when I went to college, I went into college as a science major. So I went in there for biological science. I, I'm Nigerian, so a lot of Nigerian families will push lawyer, engineer, doctor, doctor right? So <laughs> that's it. That's that's kind of how I was kind of steered. And when I was in high school, just learning, you know, just picking those dudes' brains and kind of trading through, you know, Yahoo Finance and doing, I got really involved in that. And in two years in the college, my brother approached me. He said, you have a gift. You're really good with money. Mm. And another thing that you can do is you know how to take very complex financial topics and break them down into easier, digestible things that people can relate to and understand. He was like, if I were you, I would just drop science and go into something financial related. And that's probably the best thing to uh, the best thing that I ever done. So shout out to my brother BK for steering me in that direction. Nice. Um, and How old were you? I was in my second year in college. So okay. um, I had done. And another thing that happened too, I took economics as a breath course for the first time my freshman year. And when I picked it up, it came so naturally Easily. to me. It came natural. And I was in class with a lot of old upperclassmen. And when I was studying with them, I kind of was kind of helping them with their stuff. Wow. And they were like, you know, you know, that was that was something that I just started to really understand that, you know, it came naturally to me. And then I took another quarter of it, loved it even more. And ever since then, I just never, I, you know, I didn't take it serious until after two years of college. Mm-hmm. But I wish I would have done it sooner. I wish I would have done it sooner. That's amazing, man. Shout out to your brother for doing that. I wish, yeah. you know, a lot of us wish that we had people like that, right? I kind of like. Mine, uh, my story again, you know, being like from African background, was like, I, I went to school for, uh, for, 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 for medicine. So mm-hmm. I was, I was studying to become a physician. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, but bro, I studied like 24 hours a day. I kid you not. None of these concepts stuck. Like I would study chemistry, biology, you know, you know, all of those different things. You're like, oh man, I, I just don't get it. I just don't understand. Yeah. But yeah. then it threw me in business class. Yo everything was a breeze after that like it yeah. was so simple like i understood those concepts like it was like nothing right so i kind of i definitely get what you're saying with that one yeah. Brandon, you got some man 
Yeah, man. I just that's that's just amazing, man. Like, <laughs> um, you know, so you like you mentioned that you know your brother kind of steered you in that. Um, did your parents have any, um, at all, you know, in in any influence rather um, in that decision? Uh, when I switched, I didn't tell them. I was just gonna ask that. <laughs> I didn't. I didn't tell them. I didn't tell them. I made the switch on my own, and when I finally told them, they felt some type of way about that. Mm-hmm. You know, they basically they told me, "I was like, all right, man, you on your own." <laughs> yeah, you a failure, dude. <laughs> they was like, if that's if that's what you want to do, you on your own. And right. you know, I it was risky at the moment, but like I said, I. I I do not regret that decision at all. Only thing I regret is I would have done that a little bit sooner. Because instead of five years of college, I probably would have got done in like four. Mm-hmm. Um, because I was able to finish my economics degree in three years. Oh, wow. After, after two Early. years of committing to science. That's so crazy. If I would have started earlier, that fifth year, I wouldn't have, you know, I wouldn't have needed it. So um, You remind me of that, of that question that people get asked all the time. Like, how long does it take you to finish a college? Yeah, took me five years. Took me five years. Yeah. Yeah, but at, at, at the end of, at the end of the day, it depends on you. Like it's, it's yeah. as long as you, it's as long as it takes you. Like yeah, some people can finish in two you. years, some people can ten years. So yeah, you know, exactly. like, it all depends on you. Yeah, that's crazy, man. But um, my other question is this: is how crazy is it that you decided after talking to your brother that you're gonna take this route, right? So if you would have stuck with with the first route. Mm-hmm. Do you think you would have regretted? Because there's a lot of people who live with regret right now because they didn't follow certain things that they felt like they should be following, right? Or they didn't get that conversation. So they're mm-hmm. living in that world of like, man, I wanted to do this, but because my family wanted me to do this, I stuck with this. Like, yeah. how did you think that that kind of impact your your mentality? Um, I think for me, if I would have stuck with it, I don't know if I'd be... I don't think it'd be a passion of mine. It kind of just, I'd be going through the motions a lot, I feel like. Because the thing that steered me away from science was I took a physics class. Mm. And I was like, I'm never going to need this. No, because I, want, I wanted to go into sports medicine because I have, I've had a lot of sports injuries over my years. My mm. knee, ankle, like I've had a lot of injuries playing sports. So I was like, you know, that's something that I'm, I know about. I kind of like sports. I kind of like medicine. I just wanted to kind of bridge that, bring them together. Mm-hmm. But when I took physics, I was like, I'm not gonna need any of this. Mm-hmm. Like, why? You know, why am I? You know, why am I? Why am I answering questions like this? I passed the class barely, mm-hmm. but I just told myself, I, was like, I can't force myself to do two more quarters of this. So that's that was another thing that kind of told me that I just need to get out of this right now because if I have to force myself to sit through another physics class or take a physics final, I was like, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna like it. So. Mm-hmm. You're a very yeah. decisive person, man, and I'm pretty, I'm pretty sure that kind of helped you with, you know, with even with the stock market today. Like, yeah, you know, exactly. You feel like something's going against you, you don't got to question it. You just like I'm out, like you yeah. know, like. <laughs> yeah. So um, you know, I know that I think for me, a lot of times I can take the emotion out of a lot of decisions that I make, mm-hmm. and I just have to take the emotion out of that and just tell myself, you know, get out, live with the consequences, and just roll with the punches. And you know, here I am today, and you know, with uh, doing something that I enjoy. And when I wake up in the morning or when I'm working with clients with their portfolios and stuff like that, it doesn't feel like work. Mm. So that's the that's the thing that I love. I love that part about what I do. That's amazing, man. So so okay, so college and you, you know, you, you started that that I mean the whole story about you just going to like one floor up, you know what I mean? Just one floor up to go talk to some traders so you can kinda of learn something. So you kinda of took the same approach that you did in college by just asking questions like, Hey, what are you guys doing? 
You yeah, know what I mean? Yeah. And that kind of gets you to the to the next step, right? Like, so that's I mean, I don't think a lot of people do that. A lot of people just like, and we were talking to Ronnie last time, is that people see us making money in the stock market. A lot of people will not ask us, well, what is that? How do you guys do it? How can I yeah. learn this too? You know what I mean? Exactly. Like, I don't know why though. Like, why do you think people are afraid to ask those questions? So I think the thing is a couple things. Sometimes people might think that, oh, I don't want to ask a dumb question. But to me, there's no such thing as a dumb question when it comes to stuff that you don't know. Like you don't live in this you world, don't know it. so you don't know it. To me, there's no such thing as a dumb question. Um, I think another thing is that a lot of people, like I don't personally, I don't, I never really like posting like games and stuff like that on Instagram. But I understand mm-hmm. that. Sometimes it gets people to believe in it a little bit more. It yep. gets people's attention. But at the same time, I try to tell people, you cannot skip steps. You know, people see the dollar signs, but behind the scenes, they don't see the process mm. that I go through every single week. On bad weeks, I go back and every on bad weeks and good weeks, on Saturdays and Sundays, I go through every trade and look at what went wrong mm-hmm. and what went right. And I make notes, mental notes of that stuff all the time, every single week. So a lot of people don't see process. And mm-hmm. I feel like, especially when it comes to options, you cannot skip steps. So I always like to use this example. So I tell people, when it comes to trading options, right? You're learning, you're first getting started, right? I kind of liken it to driving a car, right? Mm-hmm. All of us know how to drive cars, right? Mm-hmm. If your instructor took you and said, all right, we're about to learn how to drive a car, right? And put you on the freeway first (laughs) and and said, and said, this is where we're going to learn. That's like jumping from not knowing anything about the stock market to jumping straight to options. Yeah. You starting to drive on the freeway. You're going to get clapped. You're not going to know what the fuck to do every time. (laughs) Now, if they took you to an empty parking lot and said, let's learn the basics Mm -hmm. to me, that's like learning how to trade stocks first paper trading, mm-hmm. knowing about technical analysis. Mm-hmm. Those things are things that you have to learn first before you can jump into options. I get that everybody wants to make money. People want to feel like they're missing out on stuff. The market is open over 300 times, 300 days a week. And if you trade options, you can make money as things are going down and things are going as going right. up. Don't skip steps. Learn the process, learn a strategy, adapt it to how you want to trade and then go from there. And I think that that's the thing that a lot of people just don't realize is that you cannot skip steps and there's always gonna be a process that you have to go through. And no matter how long it takes you to learn it and get comfortable with it, stick with it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Because the moment you start losing money or the things go wrong, you're gonna you're gonna throw in the towel. Right. I'll t- I tell people all the time, there was one year where I lost 10 grand trading options. Luckily for me, it wasn't something that like, had to change the course of my life. I lost right, 10 right, grand right. one year trading options. And a lot of it had to do with risk management. But what I did was I, I just kept refining my process, kept refining my process over and over and over again until I found something that I could work with. And, you know, had I done that, had I quit and threw in the towel, I, I would not be here today. Man, that's <laughs> That's crazy. Cause I know, I know, I know people, as you say, people want to skip process. Yeah. They want to get to the dollar sign. They want to get to, you know, the flexing. Like, I, that, that's one thing is like, everybody want to flex. Like, you know, everybody want to get to the point where like, I'm making ten, twenty thousand dollars $20,000 a day. And it's like, you know, I'm flexing, I'm flexing, I'm flexing. So, 
um, skipping process sometimes. And that's the thing too, right? Right. I know a lot of people who's cut, who skip process, right? They'll hit like 10, 20, 30, 40 grand in their first month of like trading. But then after that, you like, everything is just gone. Because there's no process. They must, they must have hit up. like a luck or something. Like, you know, that was a lucky hit, right? Because yeah. after that, when you really have to dig deep and do your process, that you're saying, uh, studying on the weekends, revising your, you know, your strategies, looking at, you know, past trades, what went wrong, what went good, like, and just kind of keep studying over and over and over and spending hours, you know, hours. Yeah. And sometimes it's like, you get, like, you get frustrated because like, why is this not working? And then you get back and then he's like, you know, take a break and come back and just look at it again. And it's like, you know, and then your process started being more fluid and then you just start adding more stuff to your tools. Exactly. And it becomes more clear exactly. that people don't like that. And the thing, and the, and the thing I was telling Ronnie earlier is that a lot of people who got into the capital markets last year, mm -hmm. that sold them a facade that everything just goes up. Yep. You know, yep. like I was telling Ronnie, I said you could have threw a dart in the dark at, at anything. <laughs> I tell him all the time, <laughs> and, 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 and you you would have you would have been up. Yep. Like you could have threw a dart at anything, and it would and you would have been up. Now that the markets have kind of adjusted and kind of calmed down and things are mm -hmm. moving as they normally do, mm -hmm. like last year was an anomaly. It was an anomaly. We have never seen anything like that. Right. So now that the markets are are back to what they normally, how they normally move, how they normally function, people are starting to get a little, you know, they're like, why didn't what I was doing last year work? What's it's wrong? Working. You know, things yes. like that. And it's yes. the market conditions have changed. Right, right. And when the Fed pulls the plug <laughs> and interest rates start going up again, gonna there's be... going to be another adjustment. Right. So right. I challenge people and say, when that does happen, what tools do you have in your toolbox to mm -hmm. adjust to what's going on mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know every to me every trade is a, is a learning experience you know that's and you just fact. have to keep adapting to what's going on in the overall markets and that's how you stay in the game long term is that's, adapting that's your fact. strategy yeah that's a fact and i'll tell i'll tell i'll be honest i was one of those people right that kind of started last year and like ran it up real quick to like six seven like six figures like you know in no time like in three months hit six figures no problem right and then january february hit and then kind of like you said, the same place you used to run, it's not working anymore. So now you have to like really adjust. So I have to go back, you know, like I know this works. I yep. just need to change my strategy. Correct. Yep. Right? I know it works. I know it's like it's not it wasn't just like a one time thing from last yep. year and just have to go back and readjust your strategy, learn some more stuff, add more tools to your to your trading box, you know, keep exactly. adding more, learn more, you know, you know, more EMAs or whatever it is that you need to learn to get better at market, you know. What they need to like, I used to I used to trade based on like you know, earnings, kind of like you said. Now I have to switch my mentality. Okay, now you gotta you gotta learn really know what the support resistance is, mm -hmm. when is the momentum is shifting, all yep. of those different things. Like you gotta get good at that if you really want to stick with this market. And like you say, yeah. you know, conditions gonna change again real soon. Are you are you gonna change also, or are you gonna be like ah I'm done? You know what I mean? Yeah. So you gotta keep continuing switching and stuff. So gotta, I gotta get be, that, man. Yeah, and I think another thing too is that you know you, sometimes you gotta be okay with being wrong. Mm. Like you're gonna be wrong. You're gonna be wrong. You know, a couple times. Like I was, right. I posted a video of um, Pete Nigerian, who's a you know professional options trader, and he was just talking about that he was wrong on Micron, and he was like, mm. I just have to get out. I just had to get out. I was wrong. I got clapped, but you know, you're not going to quit trading because he was wrong. Right, right, and right. a lot of people, you know, when they're wrong, they beat themselves up and things like that. You, you got to just, you know, if you adjust, if you have risk management tools, 
you being wrong is not going to take you out of the game completely. Correct. You know, if you manage Correct. risk appropriately, you stop losses and things like that. You know, you got to set those parameters before you press the buy button. So then when things go against you, you either know either know either need to know how to adjust or just get out of a trade and move in or move on. So, you know, I think that some people they always feel like they're gonna be right, they're gonna be right, they're gonna be right, and that's not gonna happen, especially with options. Right. That's right. not that's not gonna happen. So with you being in the financial world, right? So do you feel like you have exposure to the market more than the regular guys like average guys like us? Or do you feel like we all kind of have access to the same resources? We just don't know how to use it. I will say to me there's a couple of things that i might have access to like i can you know i have access to a lot of proprietary information from fund managers like jp morgan fidelity things like that because they send a lot of stuff to financial advisors to market their funds mm -hmm. give their market insights and stuff like that so being in the industry yes does give me a little bit of an edge but i still feel that if you you know you can still get access to good information when you know if you've tapped in or if you really want to look for things like that you know so there's a lot of services or a lot of you know morningstar you've got what's another one there's a lot of other stuff that you can kind of get into sometimes wall street journal um ibd is another one if you really want to tap into that type of information there's access to it you may not have direct access to like fund managers and things like that but you know i still think that there's still good information that's above what you're going to get on like just watching cnbc um right, because right. like you know people on the news they got to sell news you know <laughs> and they're gonna they're gonna sell they're gonna sell news regardless like right, right. I, I i remember when um spy was getting clapped to the 50-day moving average everybody on cnbc was saying the sky was falling the sky is falling somebody like this was like this is opportunity right right because it hit that, it hit that 50. <laughs> Let's start making back. moves. Let's yeah. start making moves. So, you know, I think that it's good to listen to the news to be aware of what's going on. I don't think you should make decisions based Basically. on what you hear on the news. Yeah. Man, that's 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 a good tip right there. That's a good yeah. tip right there. So, now, I kind of wanted to go back and walk us through that Snapchat gameplay that you done, right? You talked about valuation, you talked about the lockup period. If we can just kind of talk to a little bit about that cuz I know like, you know, um, well, you, you can kind of get into that, like, you know, with this, with this Snapchat and all this stuff. So. so when Snapchat was going public, I looked at, um, you know, when they IPO, what their valuation was. I looked through their S1. Anybody who's looked through an S1, that's a, that's like a 200, 300 page document. Mm -hmm. I read through their S1. The whole thing. Not the whole thing. Now there's certain parts that I did skip, like marketing and stuff like that. I skipped mm -hmm. a lot of that stuff. But I really focused on the numbers. And the one thing that I was looking at is like their revenue. They were still losing money. Mm. They made, um, they looked at, um, their their valuation was just too high. I think they, they IPO'd at $7 a share. No, $17 a share. Mm -hmm. And I think when they IPO'd, they ran up to like 20. As always. <laughs> and what I looked at, then I also looked at how many shares the owner gave up. And I was like, hmm, okay. So he kind of made his money. Mm -hmm. So to me, just based on that, I made an educated guess that at some point, based on valuation, they're just overpriced. They're not going to be able to grow into this valuation by the time lockups come out. Right. So I bought puts that expired in like October. Um, and when they had their first, um, 
I think the big drop came in August. I'll never forget that. We were, I was in Miami for one of my boys' bachelor parties mm -hmm. and they had an earnings report and that thing that just got clapped. And when I looked at how much money I had in my account, I told all my boys, I was like, we're going to have a good weekend. Yeah, drinks on me. <laughs> I said, we're going to we have a good weekend. We were born, we were born to play and going to Puerto Rico from Miami. I said, wow. we're going to have a good weekend. So that was that was one of the biggest option plays that I made just based on valuation. It wasn't based on EMAs or anything like that. It was just based on, you know, an overpriced stock right, right. IPO. So that's another thing that I kept like, you know, trading options based on stuff like that, looking for stuff that was undervalued versus mm. overvalued and stuff like that. But that just wasn't a method that I felt that I could consistently keep trading right. on. Right. Because one thing I learned real quick is a good earnings report doesn't mean the stock's going to go up. Nope. And a bad earnings report doesn't mean the stock's going to go Absolutely down. Absolutely not. That's true. Yeah. So I'll give two plays that made me, um, rethink that so 2014 i was in denver at a conference and mm -hmm. i was playing yelp and yelp was kind of undervalued and they were about to report earnings and i made a play on that and right after hours yelp ran up and i was like hmm and then the call started and they start nitpicking through the earnings report and then yep that, that play alone i lost 7500 bucks Hey. on that play alone and that and, that, and we're talking about cash that's not gains anything yeah no, like that's just just that's, that's cash you put in that's cash. Money. <laughs> <laughs> cash money. and i was at i was at that conference so angry and then i just looked at i just looked at the at the earnings report and it was just analysts nitpicking at stuff and you know Mm -hmm. I learned that a, a, a good earnings report doesn't necessarily mean something. Another right. play that I made was I was playing the bank's stress test. So every quarter, mm -hmm. banks have to do a stress test to see if they can survive a catastrophic financial you know, thing. Right. I had Bank of America calls, and every bank, after they reported their stress test, passed the blind colors, ran up. Next morning, I'm trying to get out the trade. You just kept thinking. <laughs> I'm like, what the hell is going on? <laughs> so those two, those, I will never forget those two trades because it really taught me that if you're going to make a play on earnings, be, make it on money that you are comfortable losing because right. it can go either way or right. put on a straddle and whichever way it goes, all you, you need is a big move. That's exactly. why you, you don't right. need to guess right. where. Right. So, you know, those are just things that I learned throughout my trading life and I kind of tell people is that you know every every trade is a learning experience and you just have to keep being willing to learn and adapt and because of that you know I think that I finally got to a place like it took me seven years to really get to where I'm at now seven years Man. of making Man. mistakes and learning and I'm not I'm not gonna sit here and act like I'm a quick success story. Hell no. Mm -hmm, it took mm -hmm. me seven years to really get to where I'm at right now to where I'm really comfortable with the moves that I make on a weekly basis. So I tell you, I didn't skip no steps. You don't <laughs> skip no steps. That's crazy. Yeah. And it was and, and my trajectory as a trader was not in a straight line. There was a lot of this. But mm. I just I just kept riding the wave and you know I just I, I just kept, you know, sticking to that. So um yeah. But that's crazy because that that kind of you kinda see Again, I always tell people, markets like the market, the stock market is like a wave. It's like mm -hmm. you just gotta anticipate the next wave. If the wave mm -hmm. is already moving, 
chill out, relax. That's another wave's gonna come. You wanna yeah, be correct. at the beginning of that wave and ride it up and exactly. jump off before it crashes. Exactly. Like you know what I mean? Or you know, you know, in the, in the option world, start thinking about you know doing playing the other side too when it crashes. Right? Exactly. Yeah. So you you definitely had a good experience because you know you kind of seen over the years exactly you know, when things are gonna happen. You kind of have like oh this is kind of triggering that same result from like such and such time. You know you can anticipate those things even if you if it doesn't necessarily happen that way. You can you can kind of anticipate what your next move is gonna be yeah. based on a a is gonna go this way b is gonna go this way. Here's my plan. You know what yeah. I mean? So that kind of yeah. helped. That's crazy. And I think for me, I'm a swing trader. So, you know, I don't day trade and I'm not looking at things moving tick by tick. I like to, my whole philosophy when it comes to trading is trading into momentum. Whether yes. it's momentum moving up, momentum moving down. I just want to continue to ride that wave um, as long as the wave is moving. And when the wave starts to adjust or when things start to turn around, I get out. And I trade options the way most people trade stocks. Like a lot of people, when they buy stocks, they're looking for things to go up. So a lot of time I'm looking for bullish setups. Bullish setup. You know, I do play puts from time to time. If something is like really obvious and I'm like, oh yeah, this thing is kind of losing gas, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you know, but I, I rarely play puts. I tend to play bullish setups most of the time. And I like to trade with the market's wind at my back because it's just so much easier to swing trade when you have the momentum in the market oh, moving back. in the same direction of your trade. Right. So a lot of times for me, if the market is going down, I'm not hunting for puts, I'm just waiting. You just waiting. Just waiting, saying, you know, when when I'm looking for my buy signals or I'm on, when I start to see things might turn around, you know, I'm I'm just Man. gonna wait. Cause that one week, I think I forget when this was. This was late June when you know S the market was going down and SPY was, you know, kind of selling off that week. Mm -hmm. I didn't make one trade until I think it was Friday when SPY hit that 50 day moving 50 average. And I was like, that was the one trade I made. I said, I'm just gonna wait. I could buy puts and write it on the way down. But I'm just gonna wait. I'm just mm -hmm. wait, wait, wait. Once we hit the 50 day moving average, I start buying calls. I was like, we gonna Sold see it. if this thing is it's gonna it's gonna do it again. And then come Monday, boom. Just one trade. Yep. One trade. So now and I now what I was gonna say, were you always a swing trader? Like I know you said your process over the past, you know, seven years, you know, you tried different things and to refine, you know, what you're doing now. Have you always been a swing trader? So I did day trade a little bit early on. Like I tried it for a little bit, but one thing I just noticed was my schedule just didn't allow me to sit in front of a computer tick by tick. So okay. usually when I day traded, it would be on days where either I had nothing to do or anything like that. And I was okay at it, but I wasn't really consistent. So mm -hmm. I kind of, I just kind of got away from that because my schedule really didn't permit me to sit in front of a computer and just see things tick by tick by tick. Mm -hmm. So I went to swing trading because it just worked for how my schedule was structured. You know, you know, I'm not a full-time trader. I have a job, you know, if I have to be on a call or if I have to, you know, do a client review, I gotta, you know, that kind of comes first. So I just said, let me swing trade because it's just a lot easier for me to manage my time now. Manage right. time. That's when I went into it full time um, because just day trading just didn't work for my schedule. I, I think I think that's dope, man. I think that's really dope for you to be able to figure out to trade because you know you kind of take that excuse away. Like some people, are like I'm too busy to trade. I'm too this, but it's like there's literally strategies that you can use even if you work 24 hours a day. You can still find a strategy that will help you make money in the market. The one thing exactly. you don't want to do is just sit there and your money just sit around and yeah. you're spending it and not making money, right? Yeah. So 
I kind of want to dig deep a little bit into your strategy because I know okay. I know a lot of people a lot of people that I know that's still working like nine to five and still in the doom, you know, whatever. So when you're looking for those momentum traits, is there a specific technical indicator they're using? Is there a specific um, you know uh, analysis that you're doing? Like, can you walk us through that? Like, you know, how do you find that? How do you find that? You know, that that trade that you're gonna look for? Okay, so um, I learned Thinkorswim's platform pretty easy, and Thinkorswim to me is a really really good platform. Um, even though they charge you, I think I pay fifty cent per contract. They charge you per options contract, which is a little bit expensive. But they, to me, have the best indicators and tools that you can use. So what I did, um, I spent two years working in the tech industry as like a consultant to mm -hmm. NerdWallet and um, another company that kind of was building their product for financial advisors. So I worked for a consultant in two years. And one thing that I did during my two years there is I sat with engineers and I learned mm -hmm. how to code. I learned the basics of coding. So I built an algorithm in my thinkorswim that takes a couple of indicators that talk to each other. Mm -hmm. And when they match, those stocks will pop up on my watch list. Now, even though they pop up on my watch list, that doesn't necessarily mean that I'm gonna go buy those plays right away or buy those stocks right away. I gotta still do my analysis. So what I look for is I look for intermediate moves where stocks are moving higher. So I use the eight EMA and the 21 day EMA as kind of where I'm looking at how a stock is trending. And then I look at the 50 day and the 200 day and use those kind of as like my support and resistance. Mm -hmm. So what I like to look for is a stock that's trending up. So the eight day EMA and the 21 day EMA are in an uptrend. Usually things are in an uptrend when the eight is above the 21 mm -hmm. and then a stock that is above its 50 day moving average. Gotcha. And then try to catch that momentum, looking at other momentum indicators that are telling me that this thing is starting to, you know, make a move. So those are, that's the type of setup that I look for. And a lot of times, you know, like I said, there's other indicators that I look at that kind of tell me whether I should wait, whether I should get in and things like that. Mm -hmm. But that's, that's the basic setup. And that's been really easy. I mean, I wouldn't say really easy for me, but it's, it's just, it's something to identify. It's easy to identify when you understand trends. Right, right. And then I use kind of Keltner channels as my um, my boundaries of when to get in and when to get out. Okay. Um, if something is trading at the top of the Keltner channels, I don't like to get into those. A lot of times, some stocks will run. You know how some stocks run past like the Bollinger Bands and stuff yep. like that. You just stay there. I, I tell myself I'm okay missing that move because it's not part of my risk management process. You know, like AMD did that, yeah. Nvidia did that, yep. and I completely <laughs> missed it. But I'm okay with that because it doesn't fit my risk parameter. Now, sometimes if I get into something like that, it's like, okay, whatever happens, happens. Maybe I'll get lucky. Mm. But it's not something that I consistently hunt Dude. for. Yeah. So so you said eight EMA. Like, why not nine? Because I know a lot of a lot of people use the nine EMA. Like, why come you're not using the nine? I mean, you can use the nine or the eight. To me, there there's it's just a one day difference. But okay. I like the eight. I just like the eight better. Some people use the twenty instead of the twenty one. Mm -hmm. um, so those are you know those are things that you can um, that you can adjust. I don't think it has to be, you know. That's I'm I'm not gonna sit here and say like my strategy is the option bible. That's how you're supposed to do it because to me the eight and nine are still gonna give you very very similar um, information. I think the eight reacts the shorter the EMA the faster the price action is going to react. So I kind of right. like that a little bit better. Right. And you, probably get, with, you, and you probably get a better, uh, a, a close, uh, I mean, a sooner entry anyway. 
a little bit a little bit yeah a little bit so um you know i think that for me like i said a lot of times with these plays i preach risk management first um you know i think that that's and i think that comes from being a financial advisor is that when you're managing other people's hard-earned money <laughs> risk risk management comes first when before somebody becomes a client you have to take an assessment of what type of risk are you going to take before we build this portfolio and that's why you know a lot of times when i'm telling traders and i ask them especially when they make mistakes i'm like do you use stop losses what's your risk management tools and when they sit there and give me that i don't know i'd be like that you got to start there first mm-hmm. you got to start there how, first how important do you think it is um based off of what you've been saying throughout this interview um commonality that keeps coming up is basically discipline in your trading mm-hmm. um were you as disciplined as you are right now is when you started trading and how has that evolved to is it losses that got you to where you're at now or where where kind of did that come from i think the discipline came from a lot of the mistakes that i made that's where mm-hmm. it came from because i think one thing that i used to sometimes do is i used to try to trade based on like news I used mm-hmm. to like, you know, sometimes I get into stuff where, you know, the wave already happened and I'm like, you know, I'm getting to the party late. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> I think that the mistakes I made got me to a point where I said, I need to focus on managing risk and I need to be more disciplined about what types of trades I'm going to enter and what types of mm-hmm. trades I'm not going to enter. And I think that that process probably started around like 2017-ish where I got really, really into, you know, being more and more disciplined. And that is what changed the trajectory of how my trading went is risk management and being disciplined. Like you have to be okay missing stuff. Like you're not gonna catch everything. Right. And, right. you know, sometimes people they be like, damn, I missed that. And, you know, things like that. And I understand everybody's not looking, everybody's not looking for the same things in the market. You know, Correct. some people are looking for different things. Right. you know and you're gonna miss some stuff but as long as you're disciplined you stick to your strategy you stick to your parameters of managing risk i think you're going to be more successful than not successful so and then you got to be patient sometimes man. oh man <laughs> talk about that <laughs> you yes have, sir you got to be patient sometimes like a lot of people aren't patient and sometimes what i tell people is like you know some another way i manage risk is when you look at like a trend that isn't necessarily confirmed, but you got like a good eye, you got a good feeling about it. Mm-hmm. I'll say, break up your trade, mm-hmm. stagger into the position over time. Mm-hmm. Maybe get into some here, maybe buy some here mm-hmm. and then just kind of wait. And if everything completely turns against you, you haven't got a, you haven't lost everything, you know? Right, right. You just, maybe you got a few small losses. And, you know, those are things that I sometimes use when, you know, I look at something and I say, okay, I think it's gonna do this. It's telling me it's gonna do this, but I'm not sure. I'm not gonna, you know, let's say my full position is like, you know, call it a hundred bucks or a thousand bucks. Maybe I stagger my position in at a hundred bucks at a time and just see what happens. Right, right. You know, so man, managing risk, man, managing risk. That's, 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 that's the name that's, of the game. That's, that's, that's the biggest thing right out there. Like, you know, people people right. wanna make this big money, but it's like, you jump into in a position with both feet and then it just goes against you and you're drowning. Power. You know? 30, exactly. 40, 50%, percent, and you're like, yeah. should I get out? And then, you know, that, that bid price turned to 0. 0.000, and you're like, yeah, there you go. <laughs> you're gone. <laughs> and, I, and, and I think another time, what I think that with swing trading that I've taught myself is I used to get real caught up on trying to buy the bottom and getting out at the top. Mm. 
with day trading, it's a little bit more important. Right. But with swing trading, as long as you're catching the wave as it's moving, you know, you're good. You're good. Like I've had people ask me, yo, should I get out of this trade? And I look at the chart, it should be up like 5% over the last five days. And I'm like, why are you still holding this? <laughs> like people, you're, if you're waiting to get out at the top, like stop. Stop. Take some money off the table. Maybe let a few contracts run. Mm-hmm. You know, and be okay. Like my last SPY trade, I told myself if this starts to hit fifty percent, I'm about to start trimming my position. And I started trimming and trimming. And I let some right. I, I left a six figure gain on the table by getting out a little bit too early. But at the end of the day, I didn't give anything back. I didn't give anything back. So I'd rather not give stuff back and leave early, you know, than stay in a trade way too long. And next thing you know, it's, you know, boom, you know, you got clapped. And it's like, damn, why didn't I get out? You got to have, you got to have a process. Got to have a process. And I think that's the two biggest thing that a lot of traders have issues with. One, you know, they start losing money and they hold them to that position too long. Or two, they start making money and to hold on to that position too long. You know what I mean? It's like you gotta have a decisive moment. Like here's here's my stop loss: twenty percent, I'm out. You know, fifty percent, I'm out. Well, thirty percent, I'm out. You know, or here's here's my target. Before before I get into that trade, and we talked about this last week. Before I get into my trade, I know how much I'm gonna run it up by, right? So if I hit fifty, sixty percent, I'm gonna take some money off the table, kind of like you said. And yep. then maybe I'll let one run up. You know what I mean? Yeah. If, if it's still bullish, like yeah, you know, let let one one run up until you exhausted, and then when you see the reversal, just take it out. But at that time, like you said, you're not giving anything back. You already mm. made money. You keep money. You know, and and, and, and no, nobody ever goes broke taking profit. Like that's exactly that's, that's the biggest exactly. thing. Exactly. Another thing always... that I, another thing that I've also learned too is like sometimes when you take profit and something pulls back that might give you a better opportunity to get back in get back if in. the trend right. hasn't if the trend hasn't changed so take your profit look at the chart if mm-hmm. the trend is still intact some I, I tell people if the trend is still intact a pullback might just be screaming opportunity opportunity right. opportunity right so new buyers are going to come in that place exactly so sometimes you just got to be disciplined and say okay i took my profits call it 20 30 40% something pulls back then how do, does that give me another opportunity to get back into that trade? Because mm-hmm. the thing with options is your worst enemy is decay. Oh, decay is theta. your worst theta is a killer. enemy. <laughs> and I tell people decay is kind of like, people don't understand decay. This is how I explain it. Decay is kind of like you buy an avocado and you slice it open. Mm-hmm. And the moment you expose that avocado Fair. to open air, decay yep. starts to settle in. Yep. So the moment you buy that options contract, you started the decay process. So that's your worst enemy. You got to either learn how to combat it, or you know you gotta you gotta be able to know how to get in and out of positions so that you can minimize decay to you know a, a certain degree. So for me, I like to be you know within a certain percentage of being in the money. Mm-hmm. If I'm out of the money, I use what I call calendar spreads. Because a calendar spread is when you buy a long options contract and then you sell a short-term options contract right. against it. So on days where shit is trading sideways, that call that you sold is making money for you. Mm-hmm. Your long call is losing money, but because it's further out and you have that call that call against you, 
I mean, that, that short call that you sold, you can fight decay a little bit better. Right, right. So now you do give up the ability of having unlimited profit. I'm okay with that. Mm -hmm. But you have a higher probability of making profit in that Making trade. money. Making profit. Man, so, that's and, a fact. <laughs> yeah, so that's that's the thing that I do. Every Based on how the markets are trading or based on how stock is trading, my strategy changes. When the market's mm -hmm. at the top, very, very top-ish, I don't get aggressive with my plays. When the market sells off and I'm expecting a bounce, I get aggressive. You get aggressive. So I look at the macro environment first before I start making, you know, my adjustments. So, you know, those are just things that I, I just tend to I tend to do on a regular basis and just wash, rinse, repeat, wash, rinse, repeat. Man. And there's some weeks and there's some weeks where, like I said, you don't need to trade every day. You make right, one, right, one, right. Or, one or two good quality trades a week. You, you'll be in good shape. You set you up <laughs> really nice. You're good. Yeah, so, but it, and, it, and it goes back to what you said, though. You got you got to be patient. You got to be gotta patient. Got to be patient. That's the yeah. number one. That's the number one thing that a lot of people just don't have is they don't have patience. And mm -hmm. you know, they're they're such in a rush to kind of make money, or they see people making money in the options contract, or what they see on Twitter, or what they see on Instagram, and that creates like this, like almost like a FOMO feeling, like I'm missing mm -hmm. out, I'm missing out. And the way I kind of run my trading group is I don't post which options I'm buying. I just get information of what I'm seeing. Yeah. Because at the end of the day, it's kind of like driving a car. You have to decide what speed you're going at, what mm -hmm. lane you want to drive in. Those are all discretionary decisions as a trader you need to make. I don't want to say, okay, I'm buying the September blah, blah, blah calls. And your mindset is, oh, while they just dropped this play, I'm going to just buy what he's buying. Mm. That's not how this shit works. You gotta adjust stuff to your trading style, to, your, trading to style. your risk. You gotta make that stuff personal. It's kind of like, like I said, when you learn to drive a car, your instructor is not gonna be there in the car with you every single day telling you, right. gas pedal, brake, go 50 <laughs> here, go 70 here. You gotta make those decisions on your own. And that's right. what I try to tell people. It's like, if you come into my trading group, you're gonna have to, you have to come in with the mindset that I'm here to learn and I'm here to be consistent. You can ask what my opinion is. I'm gonna always give you my opinion. Right. But I'm not gonna tell you when you should get in, when you should get, in, when when you get, you should get out, because everybody's yeah. trading strategy, everybody's risk parameters, they're all different. Everybody's account sizes are different. Right, right. And I so, feel like that's that's great too, because you know, you, you take away that laziness feelings, right? Like I don't want to do work for you. Like I'm giving you the idea. You do what you want to do with that. You idea. gotta, you gotta, you gotta come in with the mindset. I'm, I'm willing to work. I'm willing to mm -hmm. learn, and I gotta do the work. There is work gonna be required on your part. Exactly. So, you know, and I think that sometimes that discourages people. You know, they want you to tell them when to get in, when to get out. And my thing is, if you're still there, if your mindset is, I don't know when to get in, when to get out. Paper trade. Mm -hmm. Paper trade. Paper trade. When I start learning a new strategy, like when I start doing calendar spreads. I was paper trading the shit out of those before I even before started using my real money. Yes, sir. And I've been doing this. I've been doing this seven years, but because the strategy was so new to me, I said I need to learn how this stuff works first. Mm -hmm. What type of how long how how far out do I want to put out my long call? How short out do I want to put my short call? Playing with different strategies around that, you know, and paper trading that before I got real comfortable with it. Right. So right. if you're still at a place where you're trading options and you don't know oh when should i get out when should i get in paper trade paper trade yeah. it's okay that's going to help build confidence right and i'm gonna tell you man, ronnie jones is the is the king of paper trade this man paper trade everything <laughs> before he go. Even, before he go into live market <laughs> yeah uh, i'm gonna tell you right now <laughs> 
that is the key because like you just said if you don't know you're not sure you're trying a new strategy don't don't risk your your money because you're gonna be like no i'm i'm not doing that anymore. i'm done i'm done <laughs> so paper trading is key bro <laughs> and, and paper trading takes the emotion out of the process like yes. you're not losing real money you know and the thing is mm. once you start getting consistently seeing that okay these are where i'm going to take my tar my profits this is where mm -hmm. i'm going to enter then you start putting your hard-earned dollars into there and you know hopefully you know things work out for you because i always tell people trading is about probability mm -hmm. it's all about probability you got to ask yourself what are the odds or what are the probability that x or y is going to happen, gonna happen. Mm -hmm. you know that's the thing it's all about probability so i like to look at high probability setups based on what I'm looking at. Does that mean I'm always right? No, no. Because sometimes you can buy into something and all of a sudden you see the news headline that boom, and then- Man, don't tell me about that. <laughs> <laughs> and then everyone, and everybody gets clapped and you're, and it's not like you made a bad entry. No, There's just no. certain elements that you can't control. You can't control now, what can you control? Good. You can control your stop loss. Mm -hmm. You can control yeah. how you manage risk, mm -hmm. but you can't control headlines. Right, right. Like, true. man, I was, it was hard trading when Trump was just dropping Oh my stuff. God. <laughs> <laughs> that man made, he made the market so volatile. I mean, yeah. in one way it was great, right? Cause it's like, you can count on something running up like crazy that day and coming crashing down. Like, yep. you know, it's really painting. Based on his tweets, you can tell which one's gonna run or which one's gonna crash. So you can kind of like play Correct. that, right? But yeah. yeah. But yeah, man, that's 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 an amazing um, amazing point also. And I want to go back to your point about you know the car and driving and all the stuff. Technically, you can look at the whole process of the stock market, right? If you're driving on a highway and it's empty, phew, you can literally fly. That's volume coming in, right? It's like you flying, like you're just going up. And then when you hit traffic, you gotta know how far you can go before you hit that car, so you don't get exactly. in an accident. So you're like, you gotta gauge those, you gotta gauge those, you know, those exactly. distances and stuff. That's just a dope. Like, that's a dope analysis. Yeah. Just like just <laughs> like driving a car, it's kind of like the freeway conditions are going to dictate how yeah, fast you go, how, going. how slow you go, how right. how easy it's going to be to move in and out of lanes. Right. That's the market, and you just have to adjust your strategy based on what the market gives you. That's, because that's so dope. at the at the end of the day, like I said, the buyers, the big money, and the buyers and sellers, they're going to control what's going on. Mm -hmm. So you mm -hmm. just got to be, you just got to adapt. And your Google and your Google map can be your technical analysis because you can figure <laughs> out when do I need to leave home to get on the expressway. There you go. <laughs> that's there your you entry are. right there. Exactly. There you go. There you go. So hey, that's that's a book right there. Yeah. So man, that's, know, that, dope. that's that's the way I that's the way I like in trading options. I tell people, you know, if you're just learning, drive in an empty parking lot first. That's yep. paper trading that's and paper that's learning trading. how to just trade stocks. When you're ready to get on the freeway, get ready to get on the freeway. Like right. I said, anybody who's driven a car, if your instructor threw you on the freeway first, you <laughs> you're probably not gonna make it. <laughs> not gonna make it. So you're don't just jump it. into options because you want the money. It's it's right. just That's not how true. it works. It's not how yeah. it works. Man, Wale, so the next few questions are going to be like, you know, kind of like quick questions that you can kind of give us your input on it and kind of help us out. So one of the biggest things that I always tell people you know, who's, who's starting with small trades uh, to do a lot more research. So you see, if you have a small account, you got to do a lot more research in the beginning to be able to kind of capture those, you know, good plays. So you, you mm -hmm. do, you, you you definitely have to be a lot more patient than some of the big account. 
Yeah. So what is what is your advice? So if somebody has like a like a small account, maybe like a thousand dollars or less, mm-hmm. what are some of the strategies, some of the plays that they can get into to be able to kind of help them grow that that account? I like SPY as a good place to start, mm-hmm. just because you know you don't necessarily need to guess what stocks are gonna do what. You just need to know what the market overall is gonna do. That's a good place to start. Use indexes, QQQ, um, IWM. Those are usually good places to start. Nice. Um, if you know, if you're, if you want to get into the advanced stuff, spreads are a good way to lower the cost of trades because you're buying an option and selling an option against it. Now, the only thing that I will say is that in Robinhood, because Robinhood doesn't necessarily execute at the best available price, because a lot of their money comes from payment from order flow, mm-hmm. that can be pretty hard. So, you know, maybe you start with some indexes or you start with some very 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 liquid options contracts or stocks like you know bank of america is one (laughs) apple is one um look for stocks that have a ton of volume Mm -hmm. or that are you know are part of like you know our big pieces of the s p 500 that you know you can um that you can kind of get into i like spreads because spreads will help you get into you know you can get into um more expensive plays at cheaper costs. Yes, your profit is capped, but mm-hmm. you can still get into those. But you have to learn how they work. Right, um, so right. you just got to put in the work say. to really. You got to put in the work to learn how they to learn how they move. So, right, right. you know, starting with indexes is to me is it's typically a good place to start because um, those options contracts are typically a little bit cheaper because they're really 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 liquid and there's a lot of volume. Ronnie Jones, what you got? Yeah, man. I mean, like you say, you've been trading that for a while. Like, what have what has options trading done for you and your family? Uh, don't have a family, so um, it's just me. But I think what it's okay. done for me is hey, more money. <laughs> shout, out, shout out to the IRS, though. Hey, uh, listen. They gonna, they gonna, they gonna yeah. Oh yeah, too. I forgot they about that. Yeah. I think what it's done for me is that it's given me a little bit more freedom to maybe not be as dependent on my job for income. And then also, too, I think when things that I enjoy doing come up, you know, like I think what I value most as a person is sharing experience with people that are close to me. Mm-hmm. So a lot of my friends are in Southern California. Um, I got friends out in the Bay Area, you know, things like that too, but I like to be present to, with things that um, people invite me to. So when people say, hey, Wale, we're having this, or I'm doing this, or I'm doing that, um, I know I can be there uh-huh, uh-huh. and share those experiences because, you know, traveling costs money. Right. And, right. you know, just being able to not have to really think about, you know, you know, not, not saying that I'm just going to buy a plane ticket day of, but... I, I know that I can be present at those events, right. um, you know, so those are things that I think options trading has done. Um, you know, I got property in Nigeria, so it's helped me kind of, you know, help, uh, you know, do that as well. And then, you know, I got to, you know, sometimes, you know, if, if there's family members who might say, Hey, can you help me with this? You know, it also gives me that ability too to say, okay, you know, I can help some family members if the need does arise. So I think it's just giving me financial peace of mind. I think that's, that's what it's done. That's dope. Um, that's you know, dope. I'm not going to sit here and act like I'm spurging and, you know, I'm rich. I, I still have a budget, right, <laughs> believe right, it right. or not. Yeah. But um, it's given me financial peace of mind. I think that that's the biggest thing. Like, you know, 
I've lost, you know, I've been in positions where I've lost my job out of nowhere, I didn't expect it. And it's kind of like, okay, I've made some money in options. That's going to help me bridge the gap a little bit. Right, so, right. you know, those are, those are things that options have, have given me an ability to do. That's dope, man. That's making dope. making money is uh, is a very unselfish move. I always tell people, I was like, don't let somebody tell you that money is money is evil and all this different things. Like, no. When you, when you make money, your true character is revealed, and then you're able to help more people, right? Yeah. So now you're able to like literally afford to help somebody pay yeah. for something or help somebody do something. Correct. And you know, you no longer was like, oh, I'm making my little money. I'm just keeping it to myself. I can't share yeah. it with you, right? Yeah, so the more money you make, I honestly feel like it makes you unselfish and you can help other people also. So yeah. that's and pretty I, dope, man. And I tell people, it's just a tool to bridge the gap between point A and point B. That's right. all it is. When you when that becomes your main focus, then that's when you could run into problems because you might get into a situation where the, the, the mentality is, I just need to make money. I just need mm -hmm. to make money. Mm -hmm. all, it, all it is, it's a tool to bridge from point A to point B. That's all it is. Nice, and nice. you know that that you know to me financial peace of mind is a real good place to be at you know i think it's it, that's what it's helped me do um you know so i think that that's that's a that's one thing that options trading has, has done for me so two last two last questions man so if as you're thinking about your younger self you know as you're thinking about you know why later 16 17 18 years old um what can you tell yourself right now that will help you get into the market a lot sooner to be able to understand that this is actually a way to create wealth? Like, what can you tell yourself to be able to help yourself get into the market a lot sooner? Um, I think for me, I wish I would have maybe been a little bit more consistent with putting money into the market. Because I think when I was younger, I wasn't as consistent. Mm. Um, I think that that's one of the things that I wish I would have done more of. Um, I think that when I was in college, you know, sometimes, you know, a lot of people get refund checks if their <laughs> student loan money overpaid yes, their overpaid their college tuition, they get the balance back. Yep. And I would put some of that money in the market, but I'd also spend some of that money. Mm. I probably would have been a little bit more consistent with taking all of that and putting it into the market and then consistently adding money to that um over time like i have a lot i have my long-term portfolio is mostly in mutual funds okay and mutual funds are boring as hell you can't trade them but for someone <laughs> like me what i've learned is when i if i have too much liquidity sometimes i can be a little bit um antsy mm. you know because ETFs, you can see how money moves. Right, right. The market is moving. You can't see that with mutual funds. You see, you either see it go up or go down at the end of the day. Oh. So that is a way to keep someone like myself disciplined because I know myself, mm -hmm. you know? So I would have been a little bit more consistent with just throwing more money at mutual funds because I think back then there was no such thing as like fractional shares. You can only get fractional shares if you traded mutual funds. So what I used to do is I used to sometimes put like, 50 bucks here, 100 bucks here, you know, things like that. For me, what I wish I would have done when I was younger has been like, all right, $50 a week or $100 a week is going to this fund every single week. And then when a refund check comes in, dump that into the fund. Dump back in there. And just keep doing that. I didn't do that when I was younger. It was just more sparing based on what I had. 
And I wish I would have, I just wish I would have just been more consistent when I was younger because that would have been, that would have given my money the ability to compound even more. Right, right. And you probably have a lot more liquid also to put into the trading and stuff. So Exactly. And that's another thing I'll tell people if you're just getting started and you've never invested before, you know, fractional shares has really given people the ability to lower the barrier of entry. Mm-hmm. Buying a index fund like the S&P, SPY or something like that and say every week or every two weeks or every time I get paid, whatever time frame you have and commit to a dollar amount. Yeah. It can be five bucks, it can be 10 bucks. Now it can even be a dollar and yep. just consistently do that regardless of what the market is doing. Sure. Whether it's going up or whether it's going down. Mm-hmm. Regardless of what the market is doing and just build good habits of seeing money going into into that um, into that portfolio. Because one thing somebody told me back in the day was every day you get paid, you're gonna pay your energy bill, you're gonna pay your rent, you're gonna pay this. Are you paying yourself? Pay yourself first. <laughs> pay yourself first. I don't care how much it is. That's a fact. Pay yourself first. Yeah. So I think that that's another thing I'll tell people who've never invested that want to you know be consistent. Start there and then build on that. And then start moving into other things and getting more, you know, and then building on that platform. Man, that's that's a bar right there. That's that's dope, man. Ronnie, you have any last minute questions before we wrap up? Yeah, man. Like, where do you see yourself in the next five to ten years? Um, I mean, for me, as much as I like trading, I don't ever see myself trading full time. Okay. You no, know, I think that for me, I love the financial advising industry based on, um, based on the access that I have. Also, based on being able to impact other people's lives in that mm-hmm. industry. I think for me, one thing that I've done is I've kind of, I've shifted working with individuals, and now I'm working with like institutions and things like that. So that's a little bit of a, of a, of a different game. I don't, to me, I don't care how successful I am in trading. I still think that I just have a passion for being an advisor that I think I'm going to stay in this industry as long as it doesn't feel like work. And as long as I still have a passion for it, you know, I don't see myself quitting my job and saying, I'm going to become a full-time trader. I don't think that's ever going to happen to me. Um, I think that for me, I still want to continue to impact people's trading, Mm -hmm. you know, still running my trading group and things like that. And, um, helping people that way. But, you know, I, I, hopefully I see myself, you know, kind of just doing the same thing, but maybe impacting a bigger audience of people. Nice. I think that that's, that's, I think is what's more important to me at this point. It's just getting more consistent, um, option selling too. Like I'd like to get my account to a point where it's just like, I'd be, selling. when I'm selling options, like, you know, I'm instead of making like, you know, a hundred bucks or 200 bucks here. Like I can sell options contracts and be making like a couple thousand dollars. I'm not there yet, but I'd like to get to a point where, you know, I'm, I know some people who sell options and that's all they do. They that's just they sell do. options. And that's not a bad way to make a living either. Like, mm-hmm. you know, but it's just strategy that I'm just not there yet. Like I do it from time to time, but my gains are like, you know, a couple hundred bucks here and there. I like to get to a point where it's like a couple thousand. Right, where right, I can right. sell options. Yeah, so I'd like to be that market maker. Hey, <laughs> there you go. There you go. <laughs> yes, so that's, sir. Yeah, that's that's one thing that I'd like to eventually get to a point where it's like I can flip between buying options and running it up that way, and then also and selling options and running it up that way. So, 
Man, that's a know. double. That's a double player right there. Double income, man. That's amazing. Yeah. So I'd like to get to that point, and you know, hopefully, hopefully, in the next five years, that'd be great. Man. Perfect. Raleigh, yeah. we appreciate your time, man. Thank you so much for spending the time with us. Uh, tell, you tell, us, tell us, here. tell us, tell us how uh, how can people get in touch with you, man? Oh, and also your group, man. How how can people sign up for your group? Yeah. So I have a trading group. Um, I call it the Trade Idea of the Week. It's an educational group where every Sunday I'll post a video of, you know, usually five to six stocks that I'm looking at. And again, I keep my watch list very, very short. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm, I've said I've had people tell me they've got watches like 90, 60 stocks. I'm like, God damn. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you you that's information overkill. Yes. So yes. I I run a group where you know I send out a video of five or six different stocks I'm looking at during the week. I give my analysis of what I'm looking for, and I look for the same setups all the time. Mm -hmm. And then um, what I do as well is every once in a while I'll do like a workshop, maybe about risk management, maybe about different trading strategies. And then on Wednesdays at 5 p.m. Pacific time, I do um, question and answer. Where people just run ideas off of me um it's 15 dollars a month very affordable um again it's it's more of a place to come for information and a place to come to learn it's not a call out group i'm gonna tell you that right now if you think it's a call out group you're gonna get into it and you're gonna hate it right <laughs> <laughs> you, you gotta if it's if you're if you're a home run swing trader you're gonna hate it if you're mm -hmm. not patient you're gonna hate it if you think i'm always gonna be right you're gonna hate it. <laughs> you, you gotta come in. You gotta come in there with the mindset that you're willing to learn, and you're here just to you know listen to ideas. Because the thing mm -hmm. that I think what it's the hard part. The hard part about trading is taking all of this information and drilling it down to a couple of things. And my group, I've already done that for you. Yep. I've taken a lot of the legwork out of just trying to scan the markets because a robot does the scanning for me. That's mm -hmm. it. So it's a little bit more efficient where you can just focus on a couple things for that week and then build your strategy around that. Basically. And it's not one of those things where it's because I made a video of this trade, that doesn't mean come Monday, you just go buy the shit and think it's gonna go up. <laughs> Under, understand the ins and outs and what to look for and then pick your spots based on that. And right, right. you know, I run that group. Um, you can find me on Instagram is where I usually post my stuff and that is Mr. Freeze 1906 uh, is my handle. So MR underscore P H R E E Z three underscore 1906. Um, and that's just basically where I post a lot of my information. I post trade analysis from time to time. If you go to the link in my bio, you'll find all my information. So I have a basic um, stock market course that you can purchase if you just want to learn the basics. I've got an advanced options course that you can learn, um, you know, some more advanced stuff like selling options, mm -hmm. spreads, iron condors, stuff like that. You know, a little bit more of the advanced stuff. Those are just things that you may not use them, but they're tools you can have in your holster where you might be able to use them down the road if market right. conditions change. Um, and then I have my my trading group. So uh, yeah, if you're like I said, if you're if you want to learn and you want to get educated, you know seven years of experience for someone who's made a lot of mistakes listen you know that's not a bad that's not a bad place to get information no <laughs> yes, man and again man we appreciate your time hey seven years of experience i mean yeah. if you learn from his mistake you know you don't have to repeat the same mistakes so, yeah so a lot so of people bad. like i said yeah if you've been doing this for a year and you kind of like dang i've been you know trust me stay at it you know paper trade keep learning keep absorbing information eventually you'll get to a place where you're going to get real comfortable and start getting good at this stuff 
Amazing, amazing. That's Thank nice. you so much, Wally. We appreciate your time, man. I appreciate you enjoy it. Enjoy your Sunday. And, Thank you. Uh, yeah, we'll put everything on the show notes, all your information on the show notes so that people can reach out to you, man. We appreciate you, man. As always, right, no thank worries. you. Keep doing your thing. Thank you, man. Appreciate, appreciate you, man. guys. Have a, right. good, have a good weekend. It. You too. Sheesh.